Well, good morning. I'd like to read the scriptures to you, but start out from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. And he said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. And while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is God's word. Well, good morning, Crosswinds. I'm, I'm so glad to be here today with all of you and, uh, and our guests that are here from Wisconsin. It's good to have you guys here. And... Um, uh, I'm thrilled that you're joining us today. Later today, we're going to have our um, uh, ice cream party. Uh, I'll be performing my comedy juggling show. I haven't done that since my knee surgery, so that should be interesting. And uh, we'll also have games, prizes, a drawing for a $100 Walmart card. So get, go home, invite some friends. And additionally, our praise team is going to sing a few songs and, and, and worship tonight. And did I mention we have a moon bounce? It's right over there. It'll be set up if any of you guys want to bounce later. And we'll also have face painting and balloon animals. Um, so invite your friends and neighbors to come join us tonight. Well, our message today is called Pray, Persist, and Prevail. I think for everybody, there are moments where we feel like God is not hearing our prayers. I think that that happens to each one of us. And we can get discouraged when life isn't going the way we thought or hoped it should be going. You know, my wife often asks me to pray for her because she says that God hears me and he answers my prayers. Well, both our prayers are the same. Um, they're heard just as clearly by God. You know, prayer isn't always about getting what we want. It's about building a relationship with God. He talks to us as we read his word and we talk back to him through prayer. It's all about having a, a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, how many people here text people throughout the day? Do you, do you text people throughout the day? Does anybody, anybody do that? Well, think of prayer similarly to that, okay? You stay connected with people that you care about or who you deeply love. You know, the Bible would guide us to, to constantly be talking to God. It says this, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. You know, that's the kind of relationship God desires with us. Our attitude plays a significant role um, in being successful in prayer. Uh, we shouldn't feel like we're fulfilling a, a duty or an obligation when we pray. A again, it's a privilege to be able to pray. We get a chance to communicate directly with the most important being in the universe, the one who created us. We should be overflowing with joy for such an opportunity to do that. You know, we can reach out to him any time of the day, whenever we want. We can search for uh, assistance and, and wisdom and encouragement. You know, our mindset when we pray should be deeply steeped in gratitude for the honor of just being listened to by God. 
Isaiah 65:24 puts it beautifully. It says, before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. You ever tried to reach a customer service rep lately? It feels impossible. But the God who crafted the universe listens to you when you speak. Isn't that amazing? He, he guarantees that he's going to hear you. No waiting. No being put on hold. No callbacks. He is listening. The issue isn't that our prayers go unheard. That's not the problem. It's often that we don't voice them enough. We, we lack consistency and we, we lack persistency and, and, and unwavering faith. God will respond when, when the time is right. And in ways that go way beyond our imagination. Ephesians 3.20 reminds us, Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we all ask or all that we think or ask according to the power that is in wor- at work within us. With the Holy Spirit within us, his power can achieve all kinds of wonders if we'll just reach out to him. So today, I want to dive into Luke 18 verses 1 through 8. And, and see what Jesus guides us to do in prayer. So please open your Bible app or your Bible. If, if you lack a Bible and you'd like one, just raise your hand and one of our, our deacons will run inside and, and, and grab a Bible for you. You know, Jesus knows in this text that um, his disciples can get discouraged sometimes in their prayers. Life is hard. And friends, we all face many injustices because of our sin and also the sins of others. And the goal of this parable is to encourage us. So how do you become encouraged? Well, first, you pray. See, we all lose courage. We leak courage through the stress of life. And prayer is a way that we recharge our courage. Prayer is an antidote to our anxieties and our fears. The Apostle tells us this in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not um, be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, as a pastor, I, throughout the week, I have many people come to me during stressful times of their lives. And it's remarkable how just taking the time to pray with people brings so much comfort to people. Peace emerges when we pray with faith because we realize that we're not alone and that God is standing with us. Prayer, friends, fortifies our hearts, ensuring that we maintain the courage to face all the hurdles we face in life. I've noticed a significant boost in my courage after my morning prayers. Without them, my day feels incomplete. By evening, though, some of my courage has leaked out, and it's waned, and I'm starting to get anxious. Yet, if I just take a moment, and I pray in the evening, that courage is restored again. What price could you put on such peace? And it's free. All we have to do is remember to pray. The best things in life truly are free, friends. Gratitude costs nothing, but it enriches our lives 
in, immensely. And gratitude is just a shift in perspective. Recognizing that God's gifts in the present are precisely what we need right now. As the Bible states, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Have you noticed that word all in that sentence? If God is sovereign, all circumstances work for our good. And this promise is echoed in Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. That doesn't mean all things are good, but all things work for good by faith. Thus, we shouldn't lose heart. Jesus shares this parable, a, a story filled with truth, to remind us to pray and to persist and to prevail in it. And he said this, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city that kept coming and saying to him, Give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Now Jesus wants us to know that this judge is a despicable character. He does not believe in God. He does not fear God. He, he, he doesn't even fear other people or, or, or consider other people. He is the master of his own destiny. Plus, he doesn't respect anybody else either. He is self-centered. He has no use for other people and their opinions. Whatever he thinks is right is right. And he doesn't care what you think. That's this judge. Yet his job is one to serve other people. And now there's another character in the story, and it's the widow. And widows in the first century were among the most vulnerable. Often they were not allowed to remarry without permission from their husband's family. And they had no ability as women to own property or, or to make legal contracts or, 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 or do much business. Yet they had the obligation and responsibility to provide for their children. And they can even be forced to give up all their property to their husband's family if they, they willed it. Often widows faced a life of hardship, especially when their husband's families were unkind people or if their own family abandoned them. And that's why God would say to us, religion that is pure and an undefiled before God the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep one unstained from the world. James 1.27 Friends, God cares for the widows in this world, the ones that are not always justly treated, that are alone without help and without support. You know, today's widows are often our single moms. There's an epidemic of divorce, and there's an epidemic of young men that aren't taking their responsibility towards the women that they have children with. You know, the church, which represents Jesus' disciples, should be the hands and feet of God when it comes to our widows or our, our single moms. You know, we don't know specifically the injustice this woman faced, but Jesus' audience would understand that this widows were often treated very poorly and that they needed an advocate in life. And the court was supposed to be a place where she could find justice. And that's why this man served, to be able to give her justice. But he gave her no justice. He, he refused. He didn't care about her in the slightest. But she was determined. She was determined that her children would not go hungry. And she would make her case known to this judge at any cost. 
And Jesus says, this widow, she just keeps coming. She just keeps coming to this unjust judge. I mean, imagine he's sitting at the local Starbucks in Jerusalem and he's sitting there and she's pointing her finger at him, demanding, give me justice against my adversary. And he's trying to get a haircut later that day. And there she is while he's getting a haircut. Give me justice against my adversary. And And then later he's overseeing another case in the court. And she bursts into the room and she starts exclaiming, give me justice for my adversary, against my adversary. And then finally he's in bed that night. And he's drifting off to sleep. And he hears outside his window, give me justice against my adversary. Next morning, he walks to work, and she trails behind him, repeating over and over again, Give me justice against my adversary. And the text mentions, even with all that, he still refused to help her, to give her the justice that she deserved and that she sought. You know, perhaps he found her persistence amusing. Maybe his friends laughed about this relentless woman that just wouldn't give up. And just kept coming behind him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. Maybe they even made fun of the way she said it. He might have even tried to ban her from his courtroom, even filing a a restraining order against the woman. But you know what he didn't do? He never considered her case. And yet she persisted, give me justice against my adversary. And finally he begins to reflect. Not on her plight and her problems, but on himself. His conscience was not stirred by her desperate plea for assistance. Instead, he starts thinking selfishly, and he admits to himself that I'm a scoundrel. He says, I don't fear God or man. But then he uses a word to describe how she's treating him by persistently coming to him. It's, it's hupo piaso in the Greek, and it means to beat black and blue. It, it's a word for a boxer who keeps just pummeling his opponent with punches. This woman, this little woman, wore the judge down to the point where he had no strength to resist her anymore. And so he decides to grant her justice, not because her case is just, but because he can't bear hearing her anymore. Give me justice against my adversary. He doesn't want to hear that anymore. And so Jesus poses two questions. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? Firstly, Jesus isn't drawing a parallel between this judge and his father. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Our God bears no resemblance to this judge. God is someone who respects his word and his promises. He is the epitome of morality and goodness. He doesn't lie. And if he says he hears us, he truly hears us. And if he claims to care, he genuinely cares. His word is just not empty rhetoric. It can be trusted. Perhaps the human judge repeatedly deceived this poor widow, claiming that he considered her case, and he'll, he'll come back later, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I've got a packed schedule right now. Or, or maybe he suggests that she approach him at a more appropriate time, and then he'd consider it. All the while, he had no intention of ever dealing with her case until he was beat down. In Psalm 55, David is facing injustice, and he he pours out his grievances to God in prayer. This man of God's own heart proclaims this, But I call to God, 
the Lord who will save me. Evening and morning and noon, I utter my complaint and I moan. He hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He is enthroned from an old Selah because they do not change and they do not fear God. You know, men and women often don't care about our unjust treatment. But friends, God does. He hears us and he will act for us. He's not ignoring us with no intention to help us like this judge was. In this context, Jesus refers to us as his elect. That means we are chosen people. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are are chosen. You're not just some random person showing up at all hours pleading, give me my justice against my adversary. That's not who you are. You were chosen by God to be his child. Even before you ever sinned, even before you ever did anything wrong, he chose you. His word speaks about this. He says, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Jesus says we are to approach our father as a loved child. More than that, an adopted, loved child. In Roman society, being adopted meant having full rights to a family's wealth and privilege. You were chosen for that. You weren't a slave. You were a cherished child of that family. You had a significant purpose to carry on that family name. And those rights could not be taken away from you. You know, you received from that family a name, inheritance rights, and social status. And Jesus instructs us to address his father as our own. Often, the term he used when praying to his father was the word Abba. Abba means daddy or da, the most basic way of a a baby child calling their father. Our relationship with God, which is entirely different than this woman's relationship with her judge, is like that. That we can just call out daddy. But how do you right now perceive your relationship with God? How do you perceive it? Do you perceive him as a judge or a daddy? Do you, do you perceive like what this woman's perceiving that the judge is not hearing her? Or, or do you think that your father thinks of you as a cherished child that he loves and he's listening? See, your perspective will influence how you seek God. And Jesus is saying, if a a child cries out in pain to their father day and night, won't he respond? Will he keep delaying or, or will that father act? Jesus says this, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. You know, Jesus is clarifying the nature of the relationship emphasizing that our God is nothing like that judge. He says, I tell you, Jesus always speaks the truth. And so he is trustworthy. 
And he is from heaven and he knows what his father is like. And he assures us that he will deliver us swiftly. He will deliver justice to us swiftly. So friend, ask yourself again, how do you approach God in your prayers? As a beloved son or daughter? Or is he just some stern judge that might grant you your request only because you pastor him enough? Or maybe because your case is just enough? If you're not daily bringing your concerns to him in prayer, then you're viewing him more like a judge than a father. The Bible instructs us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And friends, a loving father is someone who's easy to communicate with. Well, a harsh judge is someone that you only approach in dire circumstances. I'm always surprised when I'm leading a small group and we're asking uh, about prayer requests from everybody and some respond with, I'm good. Really? You're good? Or do you just not believe that he's a loving father eager to assist you in your life? Or, or perhaps you're too proud to admit that you need help. Do you only request prayer for others and neglect your own needs and struggles? Claiming I'm good doesn't resonate with me. I, I need my father daily, every minute, by minute I need him. And especially in a world filled with so much injustice. You know, one of the most unjust things that I see on a, a daily basis is the significant portion of the people that are driving by us right now and that live in this community, almost 95% of them are on a path away from salvation right now. They're heading straight to hell. Not because God desires it, because they bought the lie that God is like a judge. In this parable, they, they, they think of God like this judge in the parable. And thus they want nothing to do with them. They feel like they're good. They're, they're self-sufficient. Not realizing that their very self-sufficiency, in that very self-sufficiency, they rely on him for everything that they have. He has provided everything that they have. Even when they view him as an unjust judge, he has still provided everything that they have. And, and sure, they may pray in dire circumstances, but on most days, he is overlooked. And his command to love others also goes unheeded. They, in turn, act more like a judge in the story. Neither fearing God, nor respecting their neighbor, whom God has instructed them to love. Because they see God as a judge, and they view themselves as their own God. And, and they emulate the judge's behavior, seeking their own comfort. And they might show some kindness to others, if, if it just keeps them from disrupting their little lives. Friends, is that you? Are, are you persistently calling on your father, like the widow? Trusting that he is good and that he can help you overcome your challenges? And Jesus poses one final question to us. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The phrase Son of Man is how Jesus often refers himself to 81 times in the scripture. 
He calls himself the Son of Man. And it alludes to Daniel 7, 13 and 14, which speaks of Jesus as God himself, who's descended as king to govern us justly. And when he arrives, will he find faith in the people he created on this earth? Friends, sometimes our prayers aren't answered immediately, just like the widow's pleas. But this delay does not imply that God hasn't heard us. It it, it might simply mean that he has a grander purpose in mind. Or he is waiting for the perfect timing to bless us and answer that prayer for our greatest benefit. I, I once heard a pastor say at a funeral that God always answers our prayers. And the response is either yes, or yes, but wait, or yes, but better. And this realization dawned in him when his father passed away. He, 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 and along with his church, had been praying for his sick father fervently because his father was a pastor. Churches all over the country were praying for his father, and yet his father died. And overwhelmed with grief, he felt anger and bitterness, and he pursued God as an indifferent judge. However, by continuing to pray after a moment of clarity, he recalled God's promises about heaven in Revelations 21. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. His father was a man of faith. And so that meant he had been completely healed by God. Completely healed. The answer was yes to his prayer. Yes, but better. Now it doesn't always seem better to us when we lose somebody or if we forget who God is or if we don't believe. But God has promised that we will all be better. What is faith? The Bible defines it in Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The widow in the story had faith in a worthless judge, not because he held genuine power, but because God possessed ultimate power to do anything. He can manifest his goodness even in a corrupt judge. And he orchestrates both good and bad for the benefit of those he cherishes. And whom does he love? Who does God love? He loves his children, his chosen children. Those who regard him and treat him as a benevolent father rather than a stern judge. Friends, are you currently living in fear? Hoping an unjust judge might help you? Or assist you? Or are you today, are you living like a son or daughter destined to inherit a flawless kingdom without pain or sorrow? You might wonder, how can we be certain that God acts as a father and and not as a judge towards us? It's because his word declares that to be true. He said this, he, He who did not spare his own son, but gave 
him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Friends, the character of God is not in question. Jesus came here for us. Sometimes God waits to answer our prayer to develop character in us. God is far more concerned with our character, us becoming like him, than with our temporary comfort in life. His word states this in James 1, Consider it a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. God is teaching us to persist and be patient through our trials. Patience is challenging. It's a, it's a challenging thing to cultivate in our hearts. We often desire immediate gratification. However, God wants us to attain something greater than our immediate wants. His word tells us that love is patient. And it's impossible to genuinely love others without patience. And God exemplifies patience. His word says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, and he's slow to anger and abounding in love. God is described often in the Bible as slow to anger. Seven different Old Testament books mention this slow to anger character quality of God. They mention it over nine times. And being slow to anger is what patience is. The evidence of his patience and abundant love is my very existence and yours. See, because of my ingratitude towards him, I should be a, a pile of ash standing here before you by his divine wrath, and, and so should each of you. Yet, through the trials of life, he, he teaches us to love, and he teaches us to rely on him and how to empathize with others in their suffering as we have suffered. As his children, we're, we're called to emulate him so that we may inherit his kingdom of justice and goodness. Jesus asked, will there be faith on earth? Well, 90% of the people of the world believe that there is a God or some kind of deity. But that's not the kind of faith that Jesus is referring to. Such belief does not please God. Hebrews 11:6 6 states, And without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Merely believing in a God, his existence, doesn't please him. What pleases him is faith that believes what he says about himself, that he is good and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Friends, do you perceive him as a stern judge or as a, a father who delights in rewarding his children? Successful prayers are those that honor God for who he truly is. Do you believe because of his inherent goodness that we will prevail in him? That even your current trial is part of his benevolent plan for your life? Friends, God is for us. He's, he's not against us. The evidence of his love is the Son of Man, Jesus, his Son, who, who came to earth because of an ancient promise in God's benevolence towards us. God recognized the injustice of our sin. 
and the havoc it wreaked on us and that we wreaked on others with it. But in the fullness of time, he sent his son Jesus to set things right, to live a perfect life, to show us what faith looked like in human form. Even amidst trial, Jesus never denied his father's goodness. He loved and he cared for and he advocated for people because his father cherished them as children. Yet his own people subjected him to death in a brutal manner on a cross, even though he had committed no wrong. Justice was denied him by human judges who did not fear God, they feared men. However, the judge of the universe allowed all of our sins to be placed on his innocent son to demonstrate his profound love and goodness towards us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What do we need to believe about Jesus? That he is the son of God who loved me and he gave himself up for me. That is what it means to live by faith. He demonstrated his love for us by taking our sins upon him and granting us justice, declaring us not guilty. He affirmed our innocence before God. This same Jesus, after three days, walked out of the grave alive again. Promising forgiveness of all sin and everlasting life for all who accept his grace through faith in his love for us. God has now appointed him as your judge, a judge who loves you. And if you believe in his love for you through faith, you become his son or his daughter. Do you believe in him? If so, then why don't you pray persistently? And prevail in it instead of fearing a harsh judge. The Bible says, For you did not receive a spirit of fear to fall back into fear, a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. Today, will you believe that God is good and that he will reward you? Will you demonstrate faith on this earth by becoming a person who prays, who persists in it, and prevails in Him? Today, repent. Repent means change your mind. Alter your perception about the nature of God today and be saved. He is not an unrighteous judge. He is the God who came to you and gave His life for you. And he, he desires to bestow upon you every good thing. Be like the widow, friends. Be like this widow. Trust that God has granted your justice against your adversary. You have an adversary, the, your, your own sin, the devil, and death. And God has declared you not guilty in him, in his son. Trust that he has provided you with life. That he has provided you with forgiveness, peace, everlasting life in his son. Friends, today, start a new day and pray, persist, and prevail with Jesus 
forever. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for helping me to get through this. I wasn't feeling well and I prayed to you and you gave me the strength. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these beautiful people. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for how graciously you shine down upon us each and every day and you provide for our needs. Lord, none of us are without. Lord, you have blessed us so richly. And, and Lord, I, you know, we may not have all our wants, but we have what we need most, which is you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you loved us enough to prove who you were, to prove who your father was and, and come down to us. And Father, if there's anybody here today that, that doesn't believe in you right now, may you convict their heart right now of their sin, their sin of ingratitude, their sin of viewing you as a harsh judge. And Father, convict their heart now of your goodness and your mercy that you've always been there for them, that you gave them life, that you gave them breath, that you gave them their husband or their wife or their children, that you gave them every good thing on this earth. And you gave them your son, your son to redeem you. May they, may they, may they worship you right now in their heart and say thank you. May they turn to you and acknowledge you for what is due, that you are good. May they turn from their sin and their ingratitude and May they follow you, Jesus. Be like you, always declaring your Abba Daddy's goodness. May they be like you, Jesus, and, 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 and be good to everybody they meet, oh Lord. Oh Father, good, do a good work in their heart today. Save people. Save them from their sins. Save them from death. Save them from the devil who discourages them. Bring them into the light of your presence, Lord God. Send your Holy Spirit right now to convict of sin, convict of your good righteousness, and convict that time is short, that now is the time, now is the time to change. Now is the time to worship you. I praise you, Lord, for what you're doing in people's hearts right now. In Christ's name I pray.